2 Corinthians 5, 18. Actually, we're going to start at verse 16. Paul's writing, if you remember, to the church that was in Corinth. It was probably a house church. It wasn't anything like we have today. They didn't have churches as we know it back then. They had synagogues, but they didn't have churches. So this was a church that was probably meeting in somebody's living room or in backyard or something of that nature. And Paul wrote this letter to them. And if you've been reading through Corinthians, you know all the issues and all the struggles that this church was having amongst themselves, partly because of just their whole situation of, of where they are and what was going on in their city at the time. So Paul writes to them, in verse 16 of chapter 5 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, here's a key, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. That God was what? Reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of what? Reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be, say it with me, reconciled to God. Did you catch how many times God keeps talking about reconciliation, being reconciled? Why is he doing that again and again and again and again? And we know from looking at this before that when God's speaking not only to the church in Corinth, he's also speaking to us. And he's really saying the same thing. Be reconciled to God. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, really, what, what does that mean? How do you be reconciled to God? That's what we're going to look at today and keep this really simple today about what does it mean to be reconciled to God? Let me try to explain it a little bit this way. Just kind of follow me on this one. I would imagine that most of you want a balance in your life, don't you? Nobody likes it when life gets out of balance. I mean, when all of a sudden your schedule loads up and you're running, running, running and you say, my life is out of balance. You don't like it. And when you feel like you're having to work way too many hours and you can't get to all the stuff maybe for your kids or everything else you're doing, all of a sudden you say, my life's getting out of balance again. And when life gets out of balance, it's not good. And we're trying to get this semblance of balance once again. Let me give you a picture of this. We like to boat. I mean, we have a boat. We love to go boating. And imagine just standing in the boat and our kids like to get the boat rocking, right? Well, when the boat's rocking, you're holding on for dear life, aren't you? I mean, you just know at any second, you're just going to go overboard. And they're having the time of their life. They're rocking the boat, rocking the boat. And Lori's going, knock it off. Stop rocking the boat. You know, but it's fun to rock the boat. Well, when you're rocking the boat in life, it gets out of balance. And what do we naturally want to do? Even it out, Right? Let me give you another image of this. I've been telling you, I'm, I'm dieting now, and it's going pretty good except for the four cookies I had before bed last night. More than that, yeah, probably more than that. Well, they were four really big cookies. But anyways, I've been running. 
and I'm enjoying running, but this week I did something different. After I ran about two and a half miles, I start putting this treadmill on a huge incline and then speed it up. Let me tell you, if you want to get out of balance, just do that, okay? <laughs> In two ways. You're running, you're just trying to stay on this thing, and now you're, my body's screaming, okay, out at the treadmill, stop. Why? My heart rate's going way too fast. I mean, I'm struggling to keep up. I'm rustling, and I'm not going to give up, but I keep going. But you see, that's one of those areas that all of a sudden I'm out of balance now. My heart's going way too fast, and it's pleading with me, bring it back into the normal range, please. And then after about a half a mile of that, I bring it down, slow it down. My heart rate comes down. Now I'm balanced again, okay? You see, we have this natural desire in every one of us to have a balance. And when life gets out of balance, we have to do something about it. Now let me change gears and talk about relationships. Because I think relationships are the number one area in our life that get out of balance. And it's so easy to do. I mean, when you treat somebody poorly, it gets out of balance. See, we call this mutual, don't we? We want to have mutual love in a relationship. Is that right? That means you are loved and you're loved in return. Or you love and you're loved in return. But what happens when one person is loving, giving, loving, giving, and the other one's just taking, 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 taking? Gets out of balance, right? When one's doing all the housework and the other one's sitting in front of the TV, that doesn't fly very long, does it? Okay, don't jab too hard when you jab, okay, please? <laughs> You're getting out of balance in that relationship. How about respect? When one of you treats the other with respect, and it could be a parent and a child, could be a spouse, and the other one's disrespecting you in return, all of a sudden it gets out of balance. How about when somebody yells in the house? It gets out of balance. You want to really compound it? Yell back, retaliate. Then it gets all goofed up, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes you think when it's out of balance that if I just do the same behavior back, It'll balance out? No, it doesn't. It just really, it's like somebody's rocking that boat. And relationships are the hardest ones to get back in some kind of a normalcy. And when the process of doing that is what Paul calls what? Reconciliation. Do you know that's what reconciliation means? You might want to write this notation down. Reconciliation is based on three words. The R-E-C-O-N, and then C-I-L-E, that's reconcile. Those three words mean three different things, but together they really help to understand or help us understand what God wants. Let's start with the last one, the ciliate. Ciliate, okay, or reconcile, that sile means what one has. If you have a friendship, that's what you have, that's a ciliation. If you have a marriage, that's what that is. If you have a relationship with your boss, that's what that is. If you have a relationship with a coworker, that's what that is. Con means with someone else. So you don't reconcile necessarily with yourself. It has to be with, with someone else. 
And re means once again. So when you put them together, it means I want that friendship with this other person once again. And when you have the friendship with somebody once again, you have now reconciled. In your marriage, if things are out of whack and you want your marriage as it was before and you reconcile, you're reconciling with someone else to have the marriage that you want once again. And that's what reconcile means. I want to show you a video. Now, this video might, if you have kids that are here, you might have to do a little talking when you get home today. That's a good thing. This is an offensive. But you might have to do a little talking. This is a video about reconciliation. It's based on the prodigal son. Now, if you remember the story of the prodigal son, the son said to his dad, hey, dad, can I have the money that, that's coming to me after you die? And the dad gave him the money, and he went off and squandered it. And guess what happened to his relationship with his dad? It got kind of out of balance. And what you're going to see is you're going to see in this video at the end a real-life reconciliation. Let's take a look.
when God talks about reconciliation, he doesn't mean it as just a good idea. God wants us to be reconciled. Look at this again, would you? Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. What does that mean? In that story, the video you just watched, God was the dad. And you and I tend to wander, don't we? God is the one running after us because God more than anything else wants to be reconciled with you and I. And he waits till we're ready. That term reconcile, it's kind of an interesting term because we also use it when we talk about our checkbooks. Reconciling. Where'd we get that idea? From God, actually. You see, the term in Greek literally means the exchange of coins. That's what reconcile means. In other words, if I gave you a $50 bill and said, could you break this for me? How much money would I expect to get back? $50. If I get $50 back, we've reconciled. It's an even exchange. If I give you a 50 and you give me $20, we're out of balance. We're not reconciled. I'm short 30. And until you give me 50, we're not reconciled. And God uses that term in this case. He's like, all right, reconcile with God. How do, how do you reconcile with God with coins? I, I don't get it. It's kind of like this. God comes to you and I and gives us gold coins. His love, his grace, his kindness, his mercy. And God says, reconcile with me. Can you break these coins for me? And God says, what do you have for me? We muster up out of our pockets a couple of dirty, worthless pennies. Even exchange? Hardly. God gives us a, you know, this huge pile of gold coins and we give him a couple worthless, dirty, filthy coins. There's no exchange there. But he says, I implore you on whose behalf? What does it say? I, we implore you on Christ's behalf. What does that mean? That means when you and I come and we reach in and we pull out our dirty, filthy pennies and we present those to God, we say, God, all I have to offer you is my wayward life, my lying, my cheating, the way that I treated my kids or my spouse, the way that I talked to my boss or my coworker, the way in my heart that I was angry and I was bitter and I was, it's all I have to offer, God. This is, this is what I have to offer. And God does this. God takes those dirty, filthy coins, scoops them up, 
and in exchange gives us the gold coins of his love and forgiveness. And then guess what God says? Reconciled. Even. Doesn't seem fair, does it? God gives us the mountain of gold. He gave God a bunch of dirt. And God says, we're even. You know, sometimes what we do, God wants to offer us what he has. And we look and we go, but I only got this junk in my pockets. No. We hold it. We hold the junk. God's offering us all of these amazing gifts. And we hold the junk. And that's a life that's out of balance. It's not until you're ready, as Paul says it, he implores us, he begs us, he's pleading with us, take the junk and give it to God. And God gives his grace and his love and his forgiveness and says, we're even. That's reconciliation. But there's two parts of reconciliation. One is between you and God. And if you need to just make sure that you've been reconciled, or, or maybe I should say it different, if you want to say to God, I need to be reconciled, I need to know that I'm reconciled. At some point today, take one of these roses up, just put it on the altar and just say, God, I'm giving you in this rose, I'm giving you all of my junk, and I need your forgiveness. And you'll walk away from that altar like this reconciled, even exchange. But it's not only with God. God wants us to be reconciled with others. Start turning to Matthew chapter 5. Sometimes in this life we think that if we could just have it between us and God and reconcile between us and God, then we're fine and we're good and we can go on with our life. And yet God says, wait just a minute. There are two things connected with this. There's how we are with others and how we are with God. And just as we need to be reconciled with God, God says, you need to be reconciled with others. And so as you're sitting here, if you start to think about someone that maybe you need to be reconciled with, maybe today you need to pick up the phone or maybe you need to go or maybe you need to say to somebody in your family, I'm sorry. And you offer them your apology and they offer you back their forgiveness that's reconciled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, page 684. This time Jesus is talking, and he starts out with that first word, therefore. Remember, we talked about anytime God says, therefore, listen up with big ears because God's talking to us, and he's got something really important to say. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be what? Reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. 
Friends, God took every step necessary so that he could reconcile with you. That's why he sent Jesus. And offers you the opportunity to take your junk and give it to God in exchange for God's love and forgiveness. And then you're reconciled to God. But how about with someone else? Is there anyone else in your life that you need to be reconciled with? And then, after you've done that, come back to God and say, now I'm, on, I'm offering my gift. But this time you're offering your gift, that gift that you've been given, and offering that up to God. And I would say what Paul said to, to us, I would say to you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God before you leave here today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the payment that you paid for us when you went to the cross is overwhelming. There is no even exchange. You gave up your life and all we have to give you is our waywardness, our disobedience, all of our sins, everything that we've done wrong that you didn't want us to do. It's all we have to offer you, our brokenness. And yet when you accept that gift, you give us your love and your grace and your mercy. And God, you're the one who calls it even, reconciled, even exchange. How can we thank you enough? Our lives are not long enough, God, to say thank you for everything that you've done, especially for reconciling us through Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen.